Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360, joined this week by Caleb, Caleb Cummings, Sooners360.com, talent evaluator and opinion creator. This is episode 50, and we're calling this Waiting on the Final Choices. So, as always, we will begin with the latest Sooner recruiting news. So, Caleb, it was, it was a OU home game, a night game, so we were kind of hoping maybe for a little more recruiting action. And while we didn't get a whole lot of new action, we, we did have some, some big returning names. So, we'll get past the bad news first. Jordan Seaton, despite telling everyone during that week, having several interviews that week saying he was excited to show up for OU, uh, canceled his visit and went on an unofficial visit to Tennessee. Uh, I don't know if this signals the end with OU and Seton or if OU will try and bring him back closer to maybe his decision date, but it, it doesn't ring very optimistic to me. And I think by the time he makes a decision, there's a possibility that OU will have answers maybe positive answers from their other O-line targets. So official visit-wise, it was only Davin Mitchell, uh, the tight end from Los Alamitos, formerly from Allen, Texas. And then unofficial visits, we basically had, when you consider Mitchell was in town, then we basically had really the core group of really uh, the top 100 kids for OU, uh, most, of the, most of the other big names. So Jaden Jackson and David Stone were in from IMG. Had a great photo of them sitting down with uh, Coach Bates watching film on Friday, which I think was a great a great idea of how wired in they are for wired in they are for uh, wired into Oklahoma they are. Uh, then Taylor Tatum was back on campus again. He's I think he's been at every home game. Same thing with Zion Kearney, and then and then kind of a re- reassuring visit from Isaiah Autry who. You know, he's from Mississippi, and obviously I think he's been getting some push from both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. So the fact he was back on campus with his family and tied in, I think, is is a good sign. Because, you know, we're getting eight weeks, nine weeks away from, um, maybe, sorry, more like 10 weeks away from early signing day. So I think all those checkpoints were good. So, Caleb, I think it's just a great sign that you got all of those players back on campus. And, you know, and they saw just a a fantastic game, I think, from a fan perspective. If you were a, an offensive player, you had to love what you were seeing out there. And if you were a defensive talent, I think there was, there was a lot of defensive action that you probably enjoyed as well. So I think in terms of a, of a visit weekend, it's kind of hard for it to go any better. No, I, it's, it, honestly, it's that kind of uh, – when you mentioned Autry, the first thing that came to mind is – you nailed it right. He's a little bit of a forgotten guy. A lot of those kids that committed early, uh, they just the way it goes in today's cycle. You know, they committed before uh, before Taylor Tatum and before David Stone. So before that run of five stars that Oklahoma got, they got so many headlines, and then they committed. You know, before you know, obviously what. The class still has hanging out there with like, what everybody hopes or guys like Bricks and Eddie Pierre Louis and, and, and maybe see what they can, can round up on defense. So those guys go a little bit forgotten, but it's really, really big to get kids like that back on campus. Uh, because right, you nailed it. 
I mean, in in three months, those kids are going to be on campus starting their freshman yeah. year. And this is the time, and you see it a little bit when you look, you know, ch- check some of the recruiting stuff. This is the time you start seeing kids taking official visits other places. Colorado's had a really good run of getting kids that are committed to Alabama and Florida State, you know, and some really good programs. They're showing up in Boulder. And you've had a lot of just, you know, these kids, they start going, well, my senior year, I want to be sure about this decision. So the fact that they're they're taking that trip to Norman and they're not taking that trip to Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, whomever, right? That's that's a that's a win, you know. Uh, you especially in today's portal world, right? You never stop recruiting. Yeah, exactly. So I think to see him back on campus and re-engaged is is a good sign, because uh, as you said, it's been you know it's been a little it's been a while since his official visit, and he and as you said, he committed to OU pretty early in the spring. So sometimes those kids kind of get forgotten when you're chasing targets. You kind of forget what you already have a little bit. So. It was good. So, again, a lot of 25 visitors and 26 kids showing on, up on campus. I know 26 kids drives you a little crazy, Caleb, but they're showing up and they have offers. And it's mostly skill guys. So it's, it's, it's relatively understandable, but still, you know, it's, it's still, you know, they're still just sophomores in high school. So it's like, okay. <laughs> um, so Kevin Sperry, obviously, back on campus again. And we're seeing the benefits of having a quarterback who is literally uh, Carl Albert, Oklahoma City. That's going to be what twenty minutes away from Norman, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That that, it's, that area, it's right there. I figure, it's got to be. Yeah. So you've got the benefit of having him again. As we when he committed, we said he could be at every junior day, every home game, and he's there hosting kids, talking to kids. To in twenty five, twenty six. Um, so a couple of names for twenty five that are interesting were. Uh, Omarion Robinson, a safety from Arkansas, OU really likes, was on campus. And Royal Capel, a athlete. Uh, it's hard right now if you're if you're a wide receiver in the 25 class and you love OU. It is it's hard probably to get any real attention right now because there may be one spot left. And if 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 you're not like Andrew Marsh, who should have been on campus, but I can't confirm that he was telling everybody he was going to visit, or Isaiah Mosey, I'm I'm not sure you're getting a lot of attention from Emmett Jones now because, you know, with uh, Grayson Harris, um, uh, Nickens, and um, Elijah Thomas, he, he's he's got three he's got three weapons in the in the fold. So uh, Capel is an athlete; he probably could be a cornerback as well. He's a very athletic player. And then we had some 26 action, which is interesting. We had a Second visit from a uh, 26 offensive lineman, big kid, 6'5", 280, from Michigan. That's his second visit to Norman already. Uh, Caleb, you'd like him. He's, he's big frame, really athletic, lean, uh, kind of fits the Caleb Cummings um, prototype offensive lineman mold. So he's young, he's young but he's, I mean, he's a big kid, but he's, he's, not, he's got, not got any bad weight on him at all. He looks really... He looks really good, good kind of, you know, kind of that lean 6'5", 270 kind of kid that you just, yeah, just let him bake and let him bake yeah. and show up in Norman in two two years, you know, 300 pounds. So he yeah. looks really good. Big and athletic is always better than big and unathletic. <laughs> exactly. So he looks lean, you know, looks lean So um, uh, from that perspective. So, uh, and then we got a, a, a couple of interesting running backs for 26, Jonathan Hayton. 
uh, from Texas, and then uh, Javian Osborne, also from Texas. And those guys, I need to go look at their film a little bit. Running backs, maybe the one early offer position I put a little weight in, because as maybe the OU fans are, are, are painfully learning this year, running backs is kind of an instinct thing, right? You kind of you watch a running back on film, and they've kind of either got that running back stuff or they don't. So uh, Hatton is very interesting because he's 6'1", 200 already. So that's some of the kids they got on campus. There's some other names I'm trying to track down. There were some reports before the weekend that Devin Sanchez was going to be back on campus. Uh, we've mentioned that name previously. He's not had a lot of OU attention this year, but last year, and Devin Sanchez was really talking up OU. And he's the 6'1", 185-pound, five-star cornerback from the Houston area. Uh, OU's never been able to crack the whole five-star Houston cornerback uh, enigma puzzle. And it looked like Sanchez was going to be the first guy they might have a legit shot at. I think OU's defensive effort last year and in the offseason, he kind of walked away a little bit from OU. I think now that OU's playing better defense again, this might be this might be a theme with twenty five kids. Is that now that OU's playing better defense, we'll see more of them back on campus. Um, with Kevin Sperry doing his kind of Pied Piper routine, Caleb, we got a cryptic. So it used to be that we got silent commit notices from the head coach, right? Lincoln Riley would hit us with the the emoji eyes, and that was kind of the way that we would know. Okay, start digging to try and find out who the kid is. Well, it seems like Kevin Sperry has uh, unofficially taken over that role for the 25 class because he tweeted out uh, a post with emoji eyes and class of 25 and a couple of other emojis that seem to indicate OU's gotten a silent commit from somebody in the 25 class who was on campus. And it's hard because if the kids aren't, aren't saying, hey, I'm on campus, it's hard to track them sometimes. So it's, I think it's a name that Sperry probably does. Last time, a couple of times Sperry's done this, the kid's gone ahead and gone public within about a week or two. So on Sooners 360, we're digging into this story. I'm not going to out any silent commit kid name who plans on having a process to do this. That's not the way we work. Uh, but it just it sounds like another, and obviously everybody who's gotten an offer from OU right now is, is, a, is a real target. I mean, OU's not. It's, we're so far away from signing date that there's no backup plans in the OU 25 offer pool right now. So if you want a better idea of this, I'd say I'd suggest subscribe to students360.com. I posted an article this week, uh, 25, for 20, for 20, 25 for 2025, and it's kind of my version of a class prediction. A class prediction right now is just silly, but I post 25 kids in the 25 class that OU should be tracking. And, of course, five of those are verbals. And there's about another nine that I think OU either leads on outright or is very much close to grabbing a lead. So you can go there, look at that, look at that list, and see the discussion Caleb and I are having in that thread if you want to know a little more. Uh, you'll get a better idea of maybe who we think is the, is the target. So uh, that's one, it's one guy, definitely. Um, but you know, you never notice again. There's a bunch of 25 kids who are who are have OU way out in front. So that recruiting is just kind of going crazy. So, so Caleb, I know you. I'm going to be dragging you this fall through 25 film. Fortunately, 
a lot of the start on it in the spring though (laughs) there's so many (laughs) offers that went out well at least we can at least look at the commits right um so uh, fortunately, what I've noticed, especially for some of the 24 targets and 25, is that we're starting to see a lot of mid-year film posted. So we're getting a lot of um, – so coming up, especially uh, – we'll get a teaser feature. I'm, I'm going to have Caleb look at uh, Michael Hawkins and Brendan Zerbrug's film so far, and we're going to have a little QB head-to-head feature coming up in the next couple of weeks because both of those kids have done a good job posting their highlights. and. There are some highlights from those kids. They're both having very effective uh, start to their senior years. Both quarterbacks are playing well. So uh, that's really the that's really where the wrap up of the weekend in terms of solid commits we're watching. So Caleb, it's right now. It's just Daniel Eck and Kimmy who's going on October twelfth. We're we strongly believe OU is way out in front for his recruiting. And we just need to keep an eye on that. And a cool piece of news, Daniel's high school team, well, it's not really his high school team. The NFL London Academy is a little bit like IMG, I guess. But his team is actually going to be playing a game in London at one of the biggest EPL stadiums, uh, English Premier League stadiums in the country. So it's, say, it's, You'll have to explain what EPL is to me. Well, okay. So, all right. So well, I kind of know. It's a soccer right. stadium. But yeah, like, so it's a big – The Premier so, League and – I, don't, I wouldn't know what another league was. <laughs> so I could make up a league and you'd be like, oh, that's great. So, all right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I won't do that. I won't do that to you. So, so, there's a, so basically, there are three or four top teams in London, like, you know, like the Yankees and the Mets. So, London has three or four big English soccer teams. Jeez. Uh, just London itself. Just, you know, like, well, it's like New York used to have, like, the Dodgers, the Giants. Right. The, the, you know, back in the day, used to have four professional baseball teams, right? So it's, it's just the way English soccer is. London's a huge town, and the fan bases are all huge, and different parts of London have different fan bases. Anyway, so his, his team is playing at Tottenham Stadium, which, which happens to be my dad's favorite team. Um, so uh, my – and – uh, my brother, who's a big Sooner fan, the, the reason why I'm a Sooner fan, has been to Tottenham Stadium with my dad. And he says that Tottenham Stadium is 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 the equal of Jerry World in terms of its scope, impressiveness. And the Jacksonville Jags, when they're not playing at England's National Stadium, which they just played at on Sunday when they beat the Falcons, they play at Tottenham Stadium. So this would be basically like... Um, uh, you know, like a, you know, cause considering the, how small, um, American football is in England in terms of, you know, just kids playing, this would be like a, this would be like a, th- this would be like a team from, um, Canada getting to play at Jerry world. So, you know, this, so it's a, it's a pretty big if deal. If for there's Canada. money in it, I'm sure Jerry would be, yeah, be happy so, to exactly. entertain the offer. Exactly. So, but for, I mean, we're talking about, he, We've, I've watched some of Daniel's highlights and, you know, he's playing at like, you know, like practice soccer fields and stuff. Right. I mean, some of his games, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like, it's not like it's, he's playing at Melissa's stadium. Uh, so, so for him to go to. <laughs> now there's Oregon state though. So. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. <laughs> I just I take a shot at the. I, I know. Pac-Tool. I know. Poor, poor Oregon state. Just great team. Um, but anyway. Yeah, so, really good team. They put it on Utah. 
They did. So we'll talk a little. We'll talk a little national recruiting, little national football coming up at the end because it's kind of a mid, mid, kind of a midseason recap. But anyway, so for Daniel, this is a huge thing for his team getting to play at Tottenham. It would be, again, it would be like you're you're a two A Oklahoma team and you get to play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah, that's where you get to go play. It'd be like we're going to the Rose Bowl. Like, yeah, you're going to one of the hallowed fields of of uh, of sports in your country. So it's kind of a big deal for Daniel's team. So I'm excited for him for that. So, Caleb, I, uh, uh, fortunately, um, well, you've been busy lately, so Barry got to pinch hit for you last week. Sadly, we are no further in having an answer in what's going on with Michael Boganowski, Grant Bricks, uh, Devon Jordan, or Eddie Pierre-Louis. Well, I think we got a little bit more info on Pierre-Louis and Jordan, but we're no further on Bricks and Boganowski. So. The Bricks one is odd. Uh, because Nebraska looks like looks terrible. So this is how bad Nebraska looks, surprisingly to me. Because I think everybody, all college like football Matt fans, Rule. we like yeah, that role, right? Yeah, yeah. Most college football fans and most football fans in general, I think, have a really high opinion of Matt Rule and think, "Hey, that guy will get it done. He'll get it turned around." But the here's NFL thing was just a bad fit. You know, yeah, just, yeah. It has you're no just, impact on his college game. Yeah, you're just going in with with an owner that you know ran a hedge fund. Now he thinks he can run an NFL team and pick a quarterback, and and can't. And that's why they're going to be giving the number two pick probably to the Bears. And it's but regardless, uh, this is shocking. I I saw this, and I have to give like give credit to college football nerds on Twitter. Uh, they. I don't want to say they didn't take a shot at Matt Rule, but they just pointed out how bad Nebraska is. And so I think they were down 45 to nothing middle of the third quarter against Michigan. And I watched part of that game, and Michigan was just running the ball. Like I mean, it was just run, play action, run, play action. They didn't come out and do anything fancy. They weren't, you know, people talk a little bit about it, right? And we talked a little bit about it. In our, in our mod thing where you, know, you could give a little bit of credit to Iowa State where they came out and it was like, hey, they broke every tendency. Like they were showing run game schemes that they haven't done all year. They were in formations with motions and, and personnel sets that they've not put on tape. Like they were like, hey, we're going to turn our season around right here. Michigan was the opposite. Michigan was like, we're not really going to game plan for Nebraska. We're just going to show up and kind of tell you what do what we do on Tuesdays at practice. And we'll see how bad we can beat them. And they found out about halftime, hey, we could beat these guys about 90 to nothing if we wanted to. So they started pulling it down and shutting it down, right? It was middle of the third quarter and their backups were in, backup quarterbacks in. On the composite talent rankings, Nebraska is 21st in the country. One spot behind Florida State, two spots behind TCU. This is not uh, I don't have any talents. I can't compete with anybody. This is not, hey, everybody I'm playing against is just bigger and faster and better. That's not the case at all. Like that's what to me is like scary. If you're Nebraska, is you're sitting there going like, oh crap, like uh, a good football coach should come in and be able to make us competitive. And we couldn't stop Colorado on offense. And you saw what Oregon did to him. I mean, Oregon came out and said, you know, we're, I mean, God, they what, like almost ruptured little Dion's son's spleen. I mean, they were, they got after them. I mean, Nebraska's not even competitive 
it's uh, that's pretty surprising. And I don't mean like, hey, it's you know, get that to Grant Briggs. Maybe he'll be a sooner because clearly there's something more going on there where he's just not sure yeah. what he wants to do. I guess I'm just as shocked as anybody that Nebraska's as bad as they are with Matt Rule. Uh, and I even liked the, the quarterback kid they got from Georgia Tech and thought, hey, you know, he was he flashed it at Georgia Tech, although. And we've talked a little bit about this. There are some in the coaching world that when Nebraska made the offensive coordinator hire and pulled that guy from South Carolina, people were saying, what in the world are they doing? And they don't like the O-line coach. And that's some other rumblings like, yeah, he's not, he's, he's, yeah, I don't, don't know quite, there was some, they don't know quite understand why, um, Maybe rule made some of those decisions. So think, anyway. think about this. Think about this. But Nebraska has more talent according to the composite rankings, right? Yeah, Which yeah. I think everyone that's throws a, out. Everyone, everyone throws, throws out because right? you're just like, hey, this is the this is the best metric we have. It takes everything into account, what you were as a recruit, and then who transferred out and what transferred in, and kind of tries to re rank them. They've got more talent than Washington. Washington sets at twenty sixth in that. And I get it. Washington probably has a, definitely has a better trigger man, right? But Michael well, Penix three NFL wide receivers as well, right? 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 Uh, <laughs> but I mean, but they know, weren't all they weren't all like five star guys coming out of high school. I mean, they I don't just, know if any of them were right. Um, they weren't. Yeah, they weren't like the you know. It's it's just it's pretty surprising. I mean, they're one spot behind Florida State, Florida State, and and, and five spots in front of Washington in the composite ranking, and. I think I looked at the the athletic does a one every week does a one to one thirty two ranking division one and I think they had Nebraska like ninety five. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I don't was, really believe in these things, but I mean, it probably raises the question of did Nebraska and Tom Osborne like did they legitimately have like a Daniel Webster moment and like did they sell their soul to the devil in the 90s did he reach the 90s and he hadn't won a national title and say you can have the Nebraska program if you'll give us this decade and the devil said deal yeah yeah from you know, so the crazy thing that we'll get back we'll get we'll get off Nebraska football for just after this comment <laughs> um they're, they're throwing another $450 million into their stadium. I mean, they just announced that. So, they, I mean, and I'm, it's like, are there, is there, is there other gold a, mines in Nebraska? I just don't say, think of them as big. I, I don't think Buffett is like a Nebraska like donor. I don't, I mean, he might be, I'm sure he is. He's a donor to everybody in the world. Right. Cause it's, that's, that's how, yeah, yeah, that's, what, yeah. that's what he does. He does. He's not leaving his money to anybody. So yeah, he's spreading yeah. it out. So but I don't think he's given him $450 million to go build a stadium. Somebody has, yeah. maybe the maybe everybody buys Omaha steaks, and I just don't realize it. Yeah. Um, so, two pieces of news. I think it looks like Eddie Pierre Louis was at the UCF game on Saturday. It's hopefully he stayed for the for the for the second half. It's, it's hard to be hard to imagine him being overly impressed by one of the top ten meltdown losses in college football in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're you you give up a 29 point lead in the last 20 minutes of the football game. You you have accomplished something in the choking Hall of Fame. So he's visited UCF. We think that he's going to visit OU on the 21st. That he'll come back to Norman on the 21st. And I would like to think OU has been very close. I used a really bad analogy. Sometimes getting a commitment is like rocking a Coke machine back and forth. You want to tip it over and 
you got to rock it and rock it, and eventually you get enough momentum. Well, that's what it seemed like with a commit from Eddie Pierre-Louis. We've been talking about we think OU's had a lead for about six weeks, and it just hasn't quite rattled it enough to tip it over. So I think that's coming up. And that would Devin, be the UCF game in Norman, correct? Exactly. So my That's FOU surprising. Could, OU could, could put up a good effort against UCF in person, and perhaps Eddie sees the difference in the two programs, perhaps. That would be the last, last push that you might need. And then Devin Jordan did a couple of interviews after his game um, on Friday. He had a great uh, uh, interception return for 100 yards, looked really good. Uh, he's talking a December decision, Caleb, which I kind of think's a little late. I'm not sure that it really it really fits OU's timeline unless he's told the OU coaches something under the table that that we haven't quite gotten uh, wind of. So yeah, it'd be surprising. It's, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong. Oklahoma made a a recent corner offer as I was about well. To get to that, yes. Okay, yeah. So two new offers. We Reggie Powers at safety. He's visiting. He's officially visiting on the twenty first. That's Alan Trio, the the Midwest guy for two four seven, who does a good job of Big Ten recruiting. So he obviously Reggie Powers is from Ohio, so that's kind of why he's covering that. And it looks like OU's gotten first in line to get Reggie Powers on campus. I've been mentioning this on Barry Spaces. I like Reggie Powers on film a lot. I'm not oh, sure. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. To hitter, me, he's a uh, hitter. Yeah, he, he's a. Uh, I, I think. I know Reggie Pearson had not his best game against Tulsa, but then but a good, you, you, good game against you, Iowa State. As I say, you watch Iowa State and like the tackle he made the fl- oh, a couple of them right, and him get the way he gets downhill and will just get after dudes. Uh, Reggie Powers, he's uh, he's he's wired the same way. He's uh yeah, yeah. So I think that would be an interesting move. And then the guy they offered was another Michigan State verbal. Is Cameron Campbell from the Tampa, Florida area. And he's 6'1, 6'2, 185 pounds, really long wingspan. And I'll be honest, Caleb, I'm not sure I don't prefer his film over Devin Jordan's as well. Well, here's a question then. I mean, Mel Tucker's been let go, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, he's, he's suing for money, but it's over, yes. Yeah, so he's been let go. Yeah, officially Oklahoma's let go. Now offering his guys and i know there's talk that you know ted roof may retire uh in the coming coming time you think could could oklahoma pull off uh mel tucker as uh the uh dc i i I, probably not probably not (laughs) i think joe i think joe c would probably say um yeah yeah thanks thanks yeah if you know if his resume comes in be like Hey, hey, you know, thanks, but um, uh, have you give have you give Nick Saban a call? I think Nick might. <laughs> I, think Nick, I think Nick might be. Uh, Nick he'll might return. Be looking for, Nick might be looking for someone for the the car wash needs a new participant. Well, so, he'll return. He he coached he coached with Nick. He coached, uh, yeah, he was, yeah, the, so. he was an assistant head coach on their fifteen team, which yeah, I think and, was and, a and, yeah, national so, title team. But um, I do think it's interesting. They've got some good talent. I mean, Mel Tucker's a good defensive player. They've always had good defensive athletes and defensive talent. So it's interesting that OU offered immediately two of the guys that they dropped off on. But I like Campbell a lot on film. Very aggressive, explosive, good reactions. His senior film is really good. So, And OU's got connections to the Tampa area. That's one area the Clemson guys focused on. And 
the OU guys who came to Clemson, who came to from Clemson, also have those still have those connections. So that could get interesting. And then Caleb, OU's I think floating around on two offensive linemen just to make sure they got backup, backup, backup plans. The first one is Ohio State uh, offensive guard Mark Nave decommitted, and OU's apparently given him a call. I think OU's just you know, if you're you. The one thing I love about his staff is they're just always working the phones, right? They're always keeping in touch with kids. They're always working options, right? They never just – I think one of the complaints you had about the old staff, which I think, you know, has borne out a little bit in some of our depth issues that we had to hit with the portal, and we'll get to that in a minute, um, was that, you know, that, oh, you kind of stopped recruiting positions because they were just focused on guys that they weren't going to get. This, These guys are always always keeping an eye out, always – you know, keeping keeping their ear to the ground. Uh, so Mark is uh, Mark Davis. He's six five three ten. He's an offensive guard prospect. And then the other guy is an interesting player. He's received a bunch of new offers. He was he's unranked, but he's out in California. He's an offensive tackle, classic basketball player, picking up football story. Uh, his name's Lolo Taga, and he's six seven two eighty five, and he's really athletic, really raw. But if you were, uh, but if you were able to, you know, get bodies into your system and develop kids, uh, this would be somebody. I think he's he's got offers from most of. Well, I will kill, we'll call it the Pac-12 schools, even though that conference is dying, because I don't want to go through the the four conferences it's all broken up into. But he's getting lots of offers and lots of interest from some other places. So, as of right now, things are kind of quiet with twenty-four. We're just waiting on the same names. It's a little bit like last year. Just change the names, um, but that's kind of that's kind of where we are. So, so Caleb, it's it's we're in the, we're in the midseason point. Go, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say I really like, yeah, of course, right? He was committed to Ohio State, but the Nave kid. Uh, Have you watched this I, film? I haven't. I haven't watched any of it yet. Yeah, there's uh he's he actually probably what last week he even posted his first few games of his senior year. Uh, it's it's good tape. It's it's what you it's what you'd probably expect. He's a guard in my you know right. in in my in my mind. Unless again, sometimes these kids, he's six five, three fifteen, three twenty. Maybe he you know uh just continues to get in shape and, and sheds weight and and pulls an Anton Harrison. But uh, to me, when I see him, I think guard, and he's a physical kid and a mauler. Uh, got some nasty to him. And one of the I guess probably the thing that. I like about him and the reason it sticks out is I think we've all seen this team like right now where they really struggle is they're not powerful at guard and they're not big. And so much of that inside, uh, call it inside zone. Uh, I don't know if you would, but (laughs) whatever it is, right. When they're working combos, they're not getting, there's no movement. There's some really good, I posted on the site. People should go, uh, it's in one of the threads where I pulled together some stuff where you get, uh, and that's probably make people mad, but Art Bryles uh, and Jeff from some coaching clinics, but Art in particular from a coaching clinic, probably circa, you know, 15, somewhere in there. And he's breaking down the the Baylor run game. And he's, and that's what he, it's interesting to me. That's what he talks about. And he points that out. He says like, you know, what they did at Baylor with their run game, it was built on having nasty guards that were tone setters that were people movers. I think he calls them people eaters. You know, he's like, that's a people eater right there. You know, he's like, that's a tone setter. And 
Oklahoma doesn't have that, right? Everett is more of a – he's a center that's being playing guard. Uh, Bird is hurt, uh, and, he, and he's still probably not in that, you know, 315, 320 range where you hope he gets to. Uh, and he's still young. He needs he needs rep, and he, he needs time. He needs to be developed by Bill. Like, that's that has to happen. Uh, but, yeah, you look at a guy like Mark, and I think you see, hey, you know, he fits that mold, I think, for a big physical – guard that can maybe move move some guys off the ball inside so a little bit like josh iasosa and um eugene brooks yeah so kind of the same mold if you could if you get eddie pierre louis okay you, he's six three three twenty three thirty you don't need mark you're, you're good they, yeah you're good you're good but always always keep working options right always be, hey always could be working stuff. So yes, that's the thing, you know, you, you mentioned it, right? Like this staff, we look back last year and in an early, like the camp returns, we let's say on like Taylor wine and especially Taylor Heim, right? The kid right. out of yeah. Oklahoma city. Some of the camp returns on him were like, Hey, he's going to be really good. Like he's, he was just making plays kind of all over the field, you know, uh, supposedly during two days. And that's just an example of, uh, you know, when Brent came back in and told everybody, Hey, I want you guys to all go find me, you know, I'm giving you a job. Each one of you has to bring me three seniors to evaluate, go find guys, go evaluate. Yeah. They're out there. So that's yeah, just, uh, you, you love that Brent's got, you know, that mentality. Just a quick, uh, pod update. Uh, after we recorded last night, uh, 2026 running back, Jonathan Hatton who I mentioned on the podcast as being one of the key visitors uh, for the Iowa State game, pulled the trigger and committed to OU Tuesday afternoon. This is a little bit of a surprise, so I uh, caught most internet websites and uh, I, I think maybe even some OU coaches by surprise. Um, Patton, who plays for San Antonio area high school, Sibilo uh, Steel, was offered by OU earlier this summer and was one of the 2026 talents who attended the Sooners Under the Stars event. That was their underclassmen event that saw both 2025 and 2026 players attend. Uh, That event was on July 28th. It was right before the party of the Palace, which was focused on the 2024 class. Hatton is listed around, is listed at 6'1", a little over 200 pounds. And on three has him uh, rated as the number three running back in the country and ranked 69 in their top 100 for 2026. 247 also has 2026 rankings and also has him as the number five running back and has him ranked uh, number 79. So this far out, those are pretty good rankings. He's a big kid. He looks pretty good on film. His uh, mid-year sophomore film just posted, and it's pretty good. Uh, he's a big kid, shows some speed and acceleration, obviously a lot of room to grow. So this is a, an interesting addition for OU and and gives DeMarco Murray one up on Emmett Jones. Uh, DeMarco has the first 2026 commit. So uh, interesting there that OU gets a 26 running back before I think they've really identified their top target at running back for 2025. So. This is not the verbal that we reference on the podcast uh, related to the Kevin Sperry tweet that's been moving around the uh, Sooner Internet. Uh, we understand that silent commit is still in play, 
and has not gone public yet. So Jonathan Hatton, the first member of the OU class of 2026, and certainly looks like a big addition and another big-time running back being added to the Sooner roster by a coach DeMarco Murray. Uh, thanks, everyone. So, Caleb, I think, you know, you and I both are, uh, you know, OU's 5-0. and oh. It's kind of a pre-Texas. It's a good time to, to look, take a look back at what's gone on, where OU is a little bit, and college football in general. It's kind of a natural sort of – I know it's not a midway point Texas is, but it's pre-Texas, so we'll take, take advantage of that to do a little quasi-mid-season review. So, um. So first off, we've talked a lot about the talent, both recruiting high school and portal on this show. This is our 50th episode, so we've been close to tracking this for about the last 11 months. We started like right around Bedlam last year, so we've been doing some special episodes and some other stuff. That's why the number's a little higher. So, uh, so I'm going to ask you, so fresh, and we've seen a lot of young kids. I think that's the best thing I've seen from OU this year is the number of young kids hitting the field that are getting experience, getting reps. So who would be your right now freshman of the year on offense? Freshman of the year on offense. And it's got to be a kid that is like a, a true freshman, right? Yeah. Got to be a true. God, this has been a, I don't think there's been a true freshman hardly played a snap. Uh, you want to go defense first and come back to this? I mean, I guess it would have to be just Jax, Jackson Arnold. He's played the most snaps. What he's thrown like, what how many how many balls? Fifteen passes. Fifteen, 15 passes. sixteen. He's thrown fifteen balls. Yep. Uh, probably ran the ball another what ten times. So yeah. 25, 25 snaps is the most they're playing on offense. And we could go down that rabbit hole, but let's not. Uh, yeah, Jackson Arnold. I mean, I will say, you know, as much as I'm kind of being uh, facetious there and, and talking out of you know the side of my mouth, his his 25 snaps have been fantastic for the most part. You know, there's maybe maybe four or five of those runs. You wish Levy wasn't running quarterback power, <laughs> basically have an empty set with your five star quarterback. But uh, you know, when he's running the off the offense, offense. Oh man, I mean the, the Tulsa the Tulsa throw is despite. DG throwing his ass off last week. I mean, that Tulsa throw to, to Nick Anderson in stride is just a thing of beauty. Um, so I, I think I'll, I'll go it. with Jay. Yeah, I mean, his, his, his arm something. I mean, we all keep thinking he's going to be really good, and there's nothing, nothing we've seen so far tells us that, that, that all the stuff we're hearing from all of our internal sources is, is anything but true. So I'll, I'll, I'll agree with Jackson Arnold, although – you know, Jaquez Petaway, I've liked what I've seen of him in limited action. And um, I think Caden Green playing offensive line as a true freshman and looking and being as productive as he was is, is also a good sign. But I think J.A. is obvious, the obvious name. So we'll go to a side of the ball where we've seen a little more freshman action. Let's go to defense. Who is forcing you to choose one kid? Who are you choosing? This one is actually easy. It's PJ, right? I think PJ's got one and a half, two sacks. If it's a half, it's because some of the OU stat people are dicks and they gave <laughs> half to somebody else when they shouldn't have, which they tend to do. Uh, and he's got another probably two that if I won't say who it was, 
but the other side defensive end doesn't jump inside and lose contain. He's by he was by his tackle and just gonna you know yeah he was there to get that. He's so he's really flashed and playing more and more. And I don't even know if he knows what he's doing yet. Uh, and it's, I don't think he has a clue yet how good he actually is. Like once that kind of all clicks together and comes together, which it might be next year that it all you know just did hey. you, did you see the, the the image of him jumping on the punt block team? No, I haven't. Sorry, 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 it's like field goal block. He's trying to. He's literally like it looks like he's twenty feet in the air. It's like it looks <laughs> like he's. As someone said he's going to block a field goal this year, and it looks I'm like have it to go watch it with his wingspan and his vertical. It's like it's crazy looking. So just a freaky kid. So I'm going to go with the other obvious name and go with Peyton Bowen. Um, Two pump blocks. If the interceptions are going to come, they are. He's getting close. He's making the plays. And all I can say is, with both the guys we've talked about, just and Jackson Arnold, how nice is it that our five stars look like five stars? Man, I, you, Jackson Arnold's ability to push the ball down the field with ease. Right, like his, yeah. yes, and, and some of it is a timing deal, right? I don't, yeah, and, and pe- everyone I think tends to think, hey, a deep ball is all arm strength, and it's not. It's understanding, you know, the moment he's even, that ball's out. You know, I'm not gonna wait until he's open by three yards and then try to throw it because I because I can't. But like, he's just got you know an ability to push that ball down the field. That when you start thinking about what might it look like with, you know, Anthony with Gibson, with Anderson, and with a healthy Brennan Thompson who can absolutely scoot, right? You're talking about, okay, now you've I mean, got the, a quarterback. The panic, the panic on the ISU DBs on that on the this big play <laughs> when he went flying past them, and those guys basically were like, drop everything and hauling ass to try and keep up with him. Yeah. And he slowed, and they went like five yards past him because it was like, he put the brakes on, and they were like, ah! They, just, they had like no body control, right? They had just like, Dropped everything, you know. A true you know, oh shit moment. She like they should drop uh, that guy just flew past us. Holy shit, you know, haul ass to try and tackle him of nothing else. So yeah, when you when you have a vision of Jackson Arnold hitting these guys in stride, um, it'll be SEC play, so it'll be tougher, but our young wide receiver core being fed on time deep passes by Jackson Arnold should should have SEC defensive coordinators next year a little a little concerned. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think I just keep I continue to think it's only a matter of time. Uh, maybe we see it this week, but I really do. I there's assume a, there's a gadget play. There's a gadget. There's a gadget well, thing coming. You know, the thing there's is something like, coming. The thing is, he's got – and Barry's talked about this, and he's even done some video that he's put on the site where he's just broken down from a time perspective how quick Jay Arnold's release is. He gets that ball, and he can fire it out, right? And I just – so so much of what Levy does really, right, it is just like we're trying to equate numbers. We're trying to get numbers in an area. And when you start getting this tendency of, hey, when Arnold comes in, we're just going to run the ball. We're going to run this quarterback dive. So – you know, you're going to get safeties up on up on the line of scrimmage. Nobody's playing over the top, and you still got that wide that wide you know 
the splits with Anthony or Anderson or whomever out there, right? I think it's just a matter of time before it's a he leans in for the fake and then just pops up and it's deep ball. It's just go ball, one on one. And, you know, to me, and, you know, you kind of take the old Al Davis thing of like, it's a high percentage throw because we may only catch 50 of them, but the 50% we don't catch, 25% of, the, 25% of that, it's pass interference. So it's about a 75% success rate, you know, in those, uh, if you execute it right. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of time before we see him come in on one of those and, and pull up and, and fire the ball. I want to give an honorable mention on the defensive side of the ball to Makari Vickers, who wasn't necessarily getting a lot of play in spring. We didn't necessarily hear a lot about him in August, but I think in the time he's out there, he he looks pretty damn good at uh, in the in the secondary as well. So yeah. Uh, so a more difficult question, perhaps. So who is your transfer of the year to date on offense? So on offense, it, to me, it's 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 Andrell Anthony, uh, and maybe it's more of a stat thing because you can look at it and say, okay, he leads Oklahoma in in receiving yards. Uh, he's just brought. And I know I can. We've talked about it. I talk about it too much, right? Like get Nick Henderson on the field more. Uh, but you know, like Lord willing, as you go further down into the season and they feel more comfortable with that, then you've got the ability to have Anthony and Anderson opposite of each other, both on the outside. Which it's just the the hole that's going to create you know, up the seam because teams are going to play, you know, two high safeties. They just are. They're not going to try to – I, I would not assume you would see a lot of single high safety with both those guys in the field at the same time, which should help the run game, but it's also going to help whoever is in the slot. Uh, so, you know, Andrew Anthony, he's been, he's been really good, and I think he's still got a lot left, right? He's got a – I think we're just kind of only – He's leading the lead. He's leading the team in receiving yards, uh, and, you know. But I think it's really only scratching the surface. I think of what he could be down the stretch as a receiver. Yeah i I think that's probably the the call because I think oh you didn't have a number one guy and he just started the season you know as the number one guy like hey guys all the other young wide receivers in that room he's like. Yeah, I'm, I'm the number one guy, so don't worry about it. I got, I got, <laughs> right. I got this right. He's acted that way. I mean, um, and I think it's it's been it's enabled the other young guys to be confident too as well. So I think it's had a little bit of a carryover effect. Uh, but yeah, he's just he's he's bigger than I thought he was gonna. I thought he would be. He's obviously he has home run speed. All the all the speed stuff we were getting about him are, are is dead on accurate. He has home run speed, and I think he's been just a better all-round wide receiver than I thought we were getting. Um, at OU, yeah, I, I agree. OU, OU, we, we, we did the portal stuff, and we thought OU was getting Trey Harris, who's uh, started Ole Miss uh, over the weekend. And we thought OU was missing out on a bunch of wide receivers, and I think we were, we were pretty concerned about that. Uh, and I think, um, I think Andrell's been has, – has, has validated the, uh, the faith OU had in bringing him over from Michigan. So – I think that's good. So on the defensive side of the ball, it's a little more complex, perhaps. Uh, who's your choice? Oh, uh, let me see. This is okay. This one will surprise you. Uh, my 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 choice for top transfer on defense is actually Jacob Lacey, and it's been really quiet, right? It has been, uh, but. He's played the most snaps of any defensive tackle on the OU roster. And I think it's pretty, you know, the numbers bear it out. They are so much better 
against the run this year than they were last year that I think sometimes it's easy to overlook a guy just being really steady and just really solid. Like it's, he's not, you know, out there ripping guys' heads off and you're not going to confuse him for a future top 10 pick like Georgia has pumped out the last few years. But you know, you're also seeing a guy that is is a pretty good football player. I, I've seen some things where, you know, there's been some 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 run stuff away from him and him being able to quickly ID the scheme and get over the top and get down the line to make a play has been pretty impressive. It's it's uh you can see a really high football IQ, and what I think to me what makes that all the more impressive is is what he went through in the off season from a medical standpoint because I we, do not think. Yeah, I don't think he had – I don't think he was with Smitty 100% go, right? So he's maybe playing 10 pounds lighter than he should. So, yeah, I would – it would definitely be – would be him. Yeah, obviously, um, I think he's – I think the, the role he's played in helping Jonah Lealu and and Grayson Holton in terms of being kind of that like, look, this is how you play D-line, guys. Watch what I'm doing. You may be bigger, faster than I am. But here's how you play it, right? So modeling that kind of behavior as well, I think, was, was kind of key. I'll go with considering some of the injuries and in and out. I think Reggie Pearson has had a really huge impact on the secondary. Just the level of play, physicality, tone setting with that group. I think Reggie's had a, and I think Reggie's had a big impact uh, in terms of mentoring and really just kind of being a, you know, a senior force. Uh, I mean, uh, senior force for for OU uh, in terms of a transfer perspective. Um, you know, Rondell Bothright, I think, is is so kind of an you know would have been like the easy the easy answer, and he's been I think hasn't quite made the, some of the his stats maybe not quite what OU fans were expecting, but I think again what he's provided in senior leadership stability. This is how you play defensive end. I think that has been has been huge. So yeah, no, I, I like I, I really like Reggie. I like that pick. I think uh, if I was to give you a guy who I think will have a really big game this week, it's it's him. I know his dad tweeted this, but when you go back and you watch a lot of his highlights, both at Wisconsin and at Texas Tech, it was in the biggest games that he came up with some massive hits and fumbles, interceptions. He picked off viewers uh, last year uh, in, in Lubbock. Uh, maybe it was Card, uh, but he picked off Texas last year in Lubbock in that big upset. Uh, so, I, I, I uh, again, know he got banged up a little bit against Tulsa, but, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, he would be my number two. Especially since, since you know, um, his run support – you know, is really from the safety positions really good, and I and I think if Texas is going to try and pound the rock a little bit, so. I think I, I think I think he's probably the best safety on the OU roster at that, and that's not nothing. I think everybody gets so, you know, you get so ah, give me the coverage and the hype and the big play, and, and that's that's great, uh, you know. But a guy that can get in there, especially in in in, in Brent's defense, and be be that downhill guy, it's it's huge. So um, a diff, slightly different perspective on this, Caleb. And you and I, you know, we talked all about the 23 class uh, in December when it signed and then February again when OU only added Taylor Heim. So if you could step in the Wayback Machine 
let's say maybe the maybe wait maybe back to November first. What what would you what would you say is missing? And you would have maybe made a bigger focus on trying to add uh, if you could if you with the with the knowledge of hindsight, what would you go back and maybe add to this class? From a high school recruiting standpoint, yeah. From a high, from a high school recruiting standpoint, I wish there could have been a way that Oklahoma could have salvaged the relationship. And I don't know if it was the relationship or what it was, or if they could have got Sam Pittman's buyout and got him on 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 OU staff as an analyst because I know he's an OU fan and grew up one. He's talked about that, right? Got him away from Arkansas, but Luke has at tight end. I think to me that's – and there's lots of reasons. He was committed to Oklahoma for a long time, was the top tight end the state of Oklahoma had produced for you know a number of years. Now, I, we've, you know, you've got Alexander coming out next year, which looks like you know, borderline top, you know, uh, top 75 player, maybe top 100 player. So that'll be short-lived. But if you add – I think Luke has is – what he is as a player, his skill set, and what he'll continue to grow in. He's been fantastic at Arkansas early on. He, but he, he would be, I think he'd be Oklahoma's starter at tight end. And I think he would add, uh, I think he would add to this, to this team, uh, this year. And sadly, he broke his clavicle over the weekend. Oh, wow. Okay. So, that, that um, stink. I bet, that I, well, I bet that was on turf. Well, they played at Jerry World. There you go. Um, so I think that's a great call. I, you know, I think right now I would not take, not stealing your answer and not having another tight end who I would choose. Like it really just comes to mind. That would have been an obvious plug in and play there. Um, I think probably looking at some of the problems, some of the other depth issues we're seeing, I would, I'd be pushing for another high school offensive lineman. Like we I would have been nicer if we'd had another high school guy in the mix moving forward, right? Just projecting a year or two down the road, right? Bill, get get yourself another high school, another high school offensive lineman. Yeah. Yeah. I still so, agree. So, but at the tight end thing, you know, if you could have gotten Luke has and maybe you offer his brother, one of the nice preferred walk-on packages, because that was a factor a little bit as well. Mm. Um, so I, um, I think if you could have gotten him on campus and, and, I, and, I'm, and there's lots of stories about why that broke up, and I'm, I'm, I won't speculate because it's recruiting, and it's kind of hard to know. It's always six and one half a dozen and another because the coaches can't really talk about it and don't talk about it. So, um, so transfer wise, what do you think OU is missing right now, and is there a missed target that just sort of leaps out at you? Gosh. You know, there's maybe two, I think, that if you're Oklahoma and you're looking at this team and you say, man, if we've got this kid or this kid, I, I think it would would change. Uh, my favorite miss target, I don't – he would play and I think he'd be fantastic. And But uh, was Braden Fisk, the uh, – was it Central Michigan defensive tackle that landed at yeah. Florida State? He's yeah. playing himself into probably a second round, uh, third round. Uh, I think he'll – bidding on – I know he's got a he, – he, he injured his elbow – or uh, had surgery. So we'll see. Uh, that was in the offseason, but what medicals come by. I think he's playing himself into a potential like second-round defensive tackle. Uh, so there, there could be that. But really when I look at like I would go two places, it would be tight end, <laughs> right? Uh, and then Matt Lee, the center from UCF. Right. And I think – and I've I've said this for 
quite a while, right? I just think that Andrew Rame is a better would be a better guard than center for we get you know you get in a different number of reasons, right? But I think you know for him, you know. Struggles with his hands a little bit, and I think it's one of those things. Like it's a difficult ask for for a center. You're snapping the ball, your ID and everything, snapping it, and then then getting into a guy. And, and Matt Lee was probably the, one of the best centers in the country last year. Yeah, you know, it was top top five, top ten guy, and visited Oklahoma. Looked like Oklahoma really could have landed him. Uh, he just wasn't sure. If he could play, like, hey, you've got Andrew Ram coming back. Why are you recruiting me? You know, and you wish they could have gone to him and said, hey, look, Andrew's going to play left guard or right guard. You're going to be our center. You know, I think he he would he would have made him a lot better. And, and then it tied in. You know, there were a number of guys. There was a Division two kid that landed at Florida State and has really been starting a lot for them, even over like Jaheim Bell, uh, you know. And then there's – Surprise, right? A little bit of a surprise there. A little bit of a surprise. I mean, he's a fantastically – he's a, you know – Amazing looking kid on the hoof, but uh, you know. And then there's obviously there's uh, is it Jake Roberts? You know, Nate's is older he is brother. he doing much at Baylor? Is Baylor just so bad that it's he's kind of buried on a bad roster? Yeah, he's he's their he's their number two tight end, and they play a lot of two tight. Uh, but he's you know, I think it's a good example of a kid. He's he's down there playing behind someone, and if he was in Norman, he'd probably be getting you know every snap right right up the road from from family. You know, uh, yeah. And, so those would be those would be where I would lean. Yeah, I would I would agree, I would agree with you. The tight end position, um, I think OU got a, caught in a little bit of a nostalgia, um, emotional response when when Stogner's decided to come back and and maybe and maybe Beamer wasn't quite giving us the whole four one one on him in terms of um, what he had left in the tank. Um, so I kind of agree with you there. Um, you know, I, I as we mentioned with Andrew Anthony, you know, you want to say a player like Trey Harris, who's had Ole Miss and some of these other, you know, the some of these other wide receivers that OU missed on. But I, I think it's almost a case of missing on those guys. We got Anthony, who's the who's really the deep threat, and it kind of it left a window for. Anderson and Gibson to kind of rediscover their confidence and for Emmett Jones to get those guys going again. I mean, they're almost, I mean, Caleb, they're almost so brand new to the roster. It's almost like they are transfers a little bit. And yeah, and it's, and it's almost like a new Jaden Gibson transferred in after the spring game. Like, well, you, you say you're Jaden Gibson, but you don't really, (laughs) I'm not really convinced. It's like, you know, you know, we recast Jaden Gibson with somebody else. It's, you're not really the Jaden Gibson with before because yeah. you're, you're not making you're, the plays you're making out in the field are not what aren't aren't what we've we've seen on what we what we what we saw before. So we're it we're, is we're confused. It's a, and, and it's I, it's like the ultimate example of what coaching does. But, I was going to say, you know, but I'm torn there in the sense of I. It's, to me, it's impossible to look at again. When we talked about this in the offseason, like Emmett Jones' track record with bigger receivers, and then I think you just get uh, there's just something to be said for guys like Emmett that came up and coached high school football for 10, 15 years, right? The ability to understand he's still an 18 year old kid and to get in his head and instill confidence and instill belief and instill an edge to him and, and teach him how to focus, right? I think that's, uh, I mean, 
I, at the same time, I hate to give Emmett all the credit because Jaden's out there making the play. But between those two, like it's just uh, – it is wild that he went from a guy that basically every fan was like, he can't catch anything to every single catch he has this year, right? Which, I mean, let's let's – what are we looking at? He's got uh, six six balls for 160 yards, 26 and a half yards a catch two touchdowns and all six of those have been among the most competitive like acrobat type plays that you'll ever see. I mean, then back shoulders, jumping up over people, taking shots as he does it and doing pirouettes and fighting to the end zone. Like it's just ridiculous. Uh, how he's gone from like, ah, you know, at, to me, it's like one of the better stories on the team. I know OU fans see it. Have you have you heard his interview? His interview from Saturday? I haven't watched it. You mentioned it. It's he's a great interview because you can just tell that he's just like you can tell sometimes a little bit of the cultural. Like you wonder where Brent's going, and I think yeah. that's like that's a larger topic. We could do a whole hour on where we think OU's heading, uh, and we may do that in the off season at some point if we get a little get a little get a little get a little light lighten the lighten the, the topics. But you could just see like how much he's bought in and how much he has. You know, you're right. I'm sure Emmett Jones has made a massive difference for him. But if he's not buying in, it doesn't. All the stuff Emmett does doesn't doesn't impact it, right? So it's it's just a huge, it's a it's a huge win there. So a couple of names that I you know that I don't think we really missed on is there's a, there was a Tennessee there's a Louisville. I think his name was, is it Jordan Black? I think that's his name. OU was after this Louisville defensive lineman, six foot seven, 300 pound guy. Oh, yeah. Um, was it Jordan Black? His last name is Black. To land at Florida. He, he landed at Florida. And based upon um, Kentucky's obliteration of Florida's <laughs> defensive line and run support, sure doesn't look like he's doing uh, maybe Florida is the problem, not him, but doesn't look like we missed much there. Caleb Banks, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, Caleb. Uh, doesn't look like you were yeah, close. I was close. Um, doesn't look like we're missing much there. And I think some of the other guys that we were like, especially some of the wide receivers, the guy at Mississippi State who's at Georgia, who's not really doing a whole lot. Um, and that might be Georgia's offense, though. More yeah, than you, I think you did a good job on the receivers. You touched on that, right? In the sense that, I mean, there were some guys that Oklahoma went after really hard. You know, you said Trey yeah. Harris, right? But at the same time, from a just a, a long-term development standpoint, it's hard to look at like Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson and think if they won't just continue to ramp up their playing time and the amount of time they're on the field and their touches that by the end of the year, you might and with Andrell as well, right? You might not have those three guys and say, you know what? We were equally as good this year as we would have been adding any of those guys, but we're going to be so much better next year for not having added any of those guys. And and again, I think we've got to talk in the portal. Again, it's a it's a tiny sample, but Brandon Thompson flies, and yeah. and he did a great job adjusting to that pass and catch, making that big play. And he's been hurt. He's, I mean, he hasn't dressed out. He was hurt. He'd been hurt a lot. And he was, he didn't come in in spring. So, you know, he transferred after Texas' spring game. And, I mean, to me, you add that piece to, to, with Petaway, um, that's, that's a, that's a beautiful group of receivers with skills, intermingling skills and abilities and adding, 
you know, Gavin Freeman in the mix as well next yeah. year. I mean, you walk, I mean, I think we've gone from, you know, the wide receiver room's a mess, you know. Marvin Mims looks great in the NFL, and we're kind of like, well, okay. He, he didn't look this good in Norman. I mean, he looked good, <laughs> but he didn't look this good, right? I mean, I'm, su- no. I'm surprised by his NFL play. I really am. I am, I am as well. I am as well. So he's so you're like, where was this? You know, you go from like the wide receiver position as a, you know, I think you and I did this horrible graveyard of tall receivers thread one time, and I blacklisted six guys, and then you hit me with like four more guys I hadn't thought of. So it's like the, it's it's been like Malcolm Kelly, and ever since then, like if you were six three or taller and an OU wide receiver. <laughs> it just nothing it didn't work right i mean it was just this graveyard of dehu green and dewan miller and and andrew tanell and andrew uh, tanell well I, yeah that's uh i think he at least had a knee injury um uh but yeah just just names right and then just it's you know jeffrey mead um yeah. you know, we could go through this whole we've gone we put gravestones on this and now you've got you know, you've got three. You know, and you know, Farouk's probably just a shade under that, but he's also he's also really improved from last year. So I think we were all panicked about wide receiver in December, and I think legitimately so because we were losing Marcus Mims and you know, Marvin Mims, and nobody else is making plays. And now I think you know you're going to be. We'll see how the end of the year shakes out, but at least right now you're like wide receiver looks like. The you know one of the best roster spots that we have. So it's it, it, it legitimately, honestly, if you look at it, it's hard not to come away and say it, at least offensively, right? If you just limit right, to the right. offense, you look at the receiver spot and you say that's the strength of the team. That's the best room that Oklahoma has. Then you look at what, like you mentioned right there, what you alluded to, what uh, Emmett Jones is doing in recruiting, and I don't see that changing. I mean, he's just bringing in like stud no, after stud. I mean, if you want to, uh, the only criticism is he doesn't have a top 100 receiver for 2026 yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Do, they, do those rankings exist? The what, they probably uh, no, do. I don't think, I don't, okay. but, uh, somebody has ranked them, whether they, you know, but to your point, I mean, Zion Kearney, I mean, I think we all were, I, I know I was like, why are you offering Carrion? Well, that, that, that seems like a fairly obvious, um, that, that got answered on the field this, this fall. <laughs> um, you know, Zion Reagans is just, uh, you know, more speed, more burning. I mean, he's, his high school team's not very good. He's having to do like everything to try and keep them in games, but anytime he can get in space, he's like going 80 yards, you know, like a big play. Anytime he can actually get in space, someone can actually get him the football. He's just burning. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, and Elijah Kate. Thomas and Th- Thomas is having an unbelievable Oh, yeah. The, the, the reports on him are like, this guy might be a five star. Yeah. And yeah. why not? I love Grayson Harrison. Jaden Nickens, his team isn't so great, but he's doing, he looks great as well. And he's bigger. So, yeah, I mean, it's from a recruiting standpoint, you know, Emmett Jones has got the pipeline ready, but he's, you know, and I, I think we were like, well, it's going to be like a year or two of him recruiting before we kind of get the wide receiver room fixed. And I think Emmett Jones is like, <laughs> no, I'm good, guys. You left me all this talent. Um, we're, we're good. I mean, and, you know, and again, Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson had really good high school film. They were top 200 guys they, for a reason. And it's just, yeah. and Nick was hurt. So we, we never, you know, the, he was, he had the Anderson injury bug to start. 
Well, but, and, you know, and it's the same. It's the same thing for Brennan Thompson, right? I think Brennan yeah. Thompson was a top one hundred kid. Uh, he missed, I think, all but maybe three or four games of his senior year. Now, granted, a lot of it, him being a top one hundred kid, is the reality that hey, he's a ten two, ten one eight, whatever it is. But he's in that ten two range as a hundred meter guy. So, like, you know, that that dog will hunt from a speed perspective. But again, yeah. You know, and we talked about like fit. Saw it on on Saturday. Like, hey, maybe maybe that doesn't work great if you're in a, you know, I'm trying to think. If you're in Michigan's offense, maybe that's not as not as uh, handy of a skill. But when you're in Oklahoma's offense, elite speed is a is a very good trait to possess. Yeah. So it's 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 funny. So um, if you had to, I, I I think the class looks really good on the field. So Caleb. If I was, if I told you that maybe our grade was a minus when it signed, mm-hmm. would you would you stick with that grade right now for the high school for the high school group? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I haven't seen anything from the high school group that I go like, oh, he just, he does not look. I mean, it's actually the opposite in the sense of like when I saw when, he, when I've seen Hicks and Smothers take carries, yeah. I'm going like, God, if if I don't, you know, you almost wish a couple guys just you know uh, got the flu for a week because it's a little bit like Chris Brown in 2000 and circa 2006 after Demarco gets hurt and they go, I think Colorado at home. Which is wild that I remember this, but uh, and it was like, hey, we don't have a running back. We're gonna have to pull the shirt off Chris Brown, and we're gonna have to feed him the ball. Well, doing that, like, it just forced him to develop faster. And you go into 2007, and yeah. you've got this double-headed monster, right? Where you've got Demarco and Chris, and in 2008, same thing. You've got now he's further along from a development standpoint. And so, like, yeah, I actually come away looking at it, going like, man. It's an A minus, but I feel like if they would just feed Smothers and Hicks the football, that maybe, you know, by right now, the run game would be further along and better than what it is. Yeah, I think when you see the the secondary guys all look great, the linebackers look really good. Um, Taylor Wine, we've heard really good things about a defensive end. He's redshirting, which is fine, but we've heard good things. PJ's almost starting, yeah. Yep. Um, we heard good stuff about um, Sanders and Strong, right? They're, they're, everything seems to be – the only negative um, is, is Eric McCarty's knee injury was so bad that we don't really know – we don't know what's where, where, where he is. Yeah. Everybody else in the class, it's like and – and obviously he's banged up, so we would like to have seen a little more from our, our, our friendly neighborhood Nebraska uh, athlete player uh Cade Cade the Cade's banged up right now so yeah. he's not able to play and we like haven't to- seen not surprising there hasn't been any talk or chatter of the offensive line kids as we've gotten into fall no, just just green you knew green was the only one really but that's but yeah but getting you know getting guy yeah, that's actually a good point green being in a place where he's pushing uh yeah to play, I mean he should be a he should be in the top five next year I mean that's that's yeah. a realistic uh idea but Agree. Again, Howland, Ozetta, and Bates, we knew they all needed redshirt years. Don't, yep. if, if we're playing those guys, it's, it is bad, bad news <laughs> yeah. um, from that perspective. But just, I think the class, you know, the top 100 kids, obviously we lost the, the transfer to, to Central Florida. Um, we, we, lost, we lost the defensive lineman who wasn't going to play this year. Yeah. Um, and 
He and, was and probably two, two to three. He, he had a, he had a long way to go physically from yeah. You know, so he had really way long, to go. but yeah, yeah, a long way to go. You don't like losing players like that from your development pipeline, but you know that's just what it, you know that's what it is. If he's not willing to sit and work, then it's not going to work, right? Um, if he's not willing to work, it's you know and drive. It's it's just it's it's not going to pan out. Not in the Brent system. So I think the class overall is um, has it looks as good and. And again, the three five stars look like five stars. They look like I don't want to put too much pressure on the young kids because they're just freshmen and they got stuff to do. But they look like uh, linchpins of 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 future suitor teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from that perspective. Um, so if I gave the transfer class uh, Caleb a B plus, which I think is a probably you know right around the right. Grade, would you say that's still where you would rank it? Or is it maybe more of a B has dropped a little uh, bit? Stock I, I might give it I might give it like an A minus. Uh yeah. Well Anthony, yeah. Anthony Anthony bumps this thing quite a bit, I think. Anthony and Rouse, and then yeah. McCullough, and then Pearson, right? And then Bothroyd, and then Ford. And like while they're not while they're not uh like Ford's not gonna lead the Big Twelve in sacks, you know, he was on pace that year. He, I think, he did actually his freshman year at Oklahoma State. Right, he's not going to lead him in sacks, but he's he he can get he gets consistent pressure when and, he plays and, at Oklahoma. And, and please just dive on the block hunt, Trace. Please, <laughs> I know um, he's just scoop and score actually because he was right there. Just 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 pick it up. Like you don't have to you know just pick it up. But he yeah. knows that right. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's, so, he's taking so much crap for that. I feel bad for him, but you know, yeah. Um, in some ways, it's hard actually to say. Like I'd have to give it an A to be honest with you, because okay, e- even though even though you come out and you say like okay, they maybe they don't have a future first round draft pick. What they did was they got better at defensive end in a hurry, right? Yeah, with, with Bothroyd and Ford, and then at defensive tackle, they got a lot deeper and better with uh with Terry and Lacey. And then and Sears and Sears again, like you see it like and we talked about it, I did his breakdown, right? When it is when he can just pin his ear back and go and doesn't have to think, right? And it's like, hey, it's a pass or this team runs outside zone nonstop. And so I can just trigger and get up and get penetration. He's really good. I hope that that starts to see where he kind of turns it on, like his light. Well, like, he's got hey, another I can, year. I mean, really rough, really, really raw, really raw came in. So Yeah, yeah. He, and so – and then you got your leading receiver from that. I mean, yes, I think you wish that you would have gotten, uh, you know, again, a guy like Jake Roberts at tight end to come in and say, hey, you know, uh, and, and maybe give you a little bit more there. Or the the Gums kid that was the other North Texas tight end. It was a bit more of a receiver, but yeah, I think, yeah. you know, 6'3", 245, fit yeah, not in sure really well. I'm not sure Ar- where he Arkansas is. Arkansas playing behind has or was. Okay. Well, he will be, be, be starting playing now. more now. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but, you know, to get that level and then to Son McCullough, Reggie Pearson, it's the, the upgrade they put on defense – that is to me why it's why it's an A is the one area on this team, you know, outside of like, hey, they're better at situational football and they're better at this. You would just from a broad view, you would say they're much better on defense. Well, why are they better? Well, they're a lot deeper and they're more competent. You know, is maybe the yeah, good word, yeah. right? Guys are just where they're supposed to be. They're doing their job. You know, no, they're not uh, a bunch of first round draft picks, but they're all just they're doing their job. And you know, when you look at that list of those guys, it's you know, again, it's it's a bunch of transfers. So that that's been big. 
Yeah, I mean, and leaders on defense too, right? Yeah. We, uh, we get the sense Barthroyd, Pearson, are def- and Lacey are all kind of leaders and, and, no, mod- yeah. and modeling the behavior for the younger kids. I was right? going to say, and I put this, I put this in, on the board, and you did, you had a really good article, but I, and I mentioned this. I really do think that the the type of people, both on and off the field, that all of these transfers have been, I think we'll look back and it will go like. From a national perspective, you'll be able to go like, hey, why does Brent, when he came in, he said he wanted to build this holistically. It was going to be like Clemson. He wasn't going to use the portal. He was going to do it Dabo's way. Well, Dabo's sticking to doing it that way. Why is Brent all in on the portal? And I think you could say like, hey, he. I think we'll look back and say it's because he had to do it out of necessity in the beginning. But then he learned that, hey, this is actually a really net positive. That having guys like Trace Ford, having guys like Desan McCullough, having guys like Reggie Pearson, they don't just make us better on the field, right? They make us better in the locker room. Like they make everything better. Not just a talent. I mean, we not just a talent transplant, but also a culture transplant. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, that I'm getting kids who will bring what I want into the locker room and and attitudinally to butcher a word there. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> especially on defense, right? They brought in some toughness. They, you know, Reggie, Reggie and Boythroyd will hit, will, will hit people. I mean, that's, and they're, they're modeling that behavior. If you're Peyton Bowen, you're like, okay, I see how Reggie hits folks. That's, that's what I should be doing. And I've got all the, and I've got skills. I've got physical skills. Reggie doesn't have, right. That, right. That Reggie would tell you something like that. But I guess the one surprise is, and it's a good surprise, based upon every, the level of plays, that Connor Near hasn't made much of an impact because linebackers, Kip Lewis and McKenzie, have been so good as as backup linebackers. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 an interesting one, right? Because I think when he when Oklahoma got him in the summer, you know, he was he was a call a sexy pick or whatever you want to call it, you know, two-time All-American, two-time national champion. I know it was D2, but everyone kind of looked at it and said, hey, don't be shocked if, if Nier's not your starter. And, you know, and to your point, right, you look up and you're here week five, week six, and Nier is, you know, if he if – he, there's, I think, one week – I think this is last week he did get third-team reps in front of Kobe McKenzie, but the other weeks he hasn't, right? Kobe was the first one. Uh, you know, if they're not, I say, you know, if they're not kicking Danny over to to Mike, you know, Kobe's the first that has been the first Mike to come in for Jaron, uh, Canick. So, I mean, it's uh, I mean, yeah, developing it. All right, so Caleb, if you will, we'll, we'll just we'll do one just question here because I want to do some off the I want to do some of the on the field prediction stuff because I'm I'm interested in your thoughts. So, right now. If you were making a, if you were trying to do your your number one and number two priorities for the transfer class, high school class is still working itself out, right? Yeah. And 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 you can't you can't just we can't just say now, oh, we need to add a five star uh, defensive end to the class. You can't do that, right? You're, you can't just all of a sudden say, well, we need another five star defensive tackle. Well, you know, no no kidding, but high school recruiting doesn't work that way. So, if, what would be your one and two priorities? for the transfer portal uh, yeah. starting in December based upon what we've seen right now, the team right now. Gosh, oh, in one way it's a little bit difficult to answer because of the COVID year, I don't know. Like defensive tackle is the number one 
that jumps out right, to me. Right. We, and some guys that got years, they, and it's just hard to tell who's going to It's just hard to know where back. they're at, right? Because you look at the roster and you see, you see Terry, Laulu, Co, and Kelly all list as seniors. So your top four are seniors. And then, you know, Jacob Lacey, he's listed as a senior, but it's a transfer. But we're pretty sure he has a COVID year, and we think he'd come back. And, and Terry, uh, we, we think Terry and Terry's has a transfer. The same, yeah, and Terry's yeah. the same way. And so you're sitting there going like, well, gosh, you know, what about all these guys? And I think Co might have uh, a year because he was at JC and they didn't even play, right? So he might have a year – so I have no clue on that. Given that I don't have any, no, given I have like little insight, I, I would still put defensive tackle right, right there, simply for that reason. You know, the odds that if though three of them have years, the odds that all three of them use a year to come back are maybe low. Maybe you win thirty yeah. percent of that. So you, you've got to you got to go get another guy just for depth depth reasons, right? I know there's been these. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, there's been a couple plays where I know Gilliam's been a little banged up, but was a play against uh, SMU. He looked great. Yeah. Uh, he's just rounding the form. He's just rounding the form, right? And and yeah. you've got he's got lots of seniors ahead of him, so it's and he's been hurt. So I think I you know it still looks like there is you know he's working he's working with Bates. This is just a just yeah. Give, yeah, guys, just just give guys a little time to percolate with the new system. You just absolutely don't, oh don't always overreact when someone is. It's taking a little time to develop in the trenches, right? It's just yeah. It should. I mean, we talked about this a little bit, and it's funny, Kyle. You know, he he he. I think it, he's probably a little bit younger, so we had to look it up and have forgotten. But you know, I pointed out, you know, uh, Gerald McCoy redshirted, and it wasn't yeah. until the back half of his redshirt freshman year that he started to become this this guy, right? And you look back at even like Oklahoma in that uh, in the. Uh, Let's see, it was the Big 12 title game against Missouri and San Antonio. The best defense tackle on the field that day was Demarcus Granger. Yeah, he was you blowing know? everything up. He was blowing, he was blowing everything, everything up. up. And so I would I would say like that would be where I would focus. I would say I, I look at it and think Oklahoma needs to find a six foot four, six foot five, three hundred and twenty pound. Like they need to find a nose guard. They need to find a big guy. Because I do think, you know, Davon's flashed, you know, Sears is, you know, last week he <laughs> might be second or first on the team in sacks now with two, right? Uh Ashton Sanders looks like an athletic guy. Hopefully, he continues to get thick, and he can be a you know. But he's got that burst. You want, him, you want him to but be he, that three, three. You want to be him a three, probably not a nose. Well, I mean, either way, right? He's he's so short. You can, I think he could work really well yeah, at nose. Yeah, but yeah. You, but you want you know Oklahoma scheme is is an attacking vertical you know aggressive scheme. But you know if they could find another you know D, like a DJ Terry. Uh, something along those lines, you know, that would be, that would be great. So that would be definitely my number one priority would be, would be, uh, would be nose guard. And then, you know, number two, if I was to have to pick something kind of would lean tight end still because Stogner's gone. I don't think Blake Smith is anything to write home about. Uh, But I have no clue what, Davon Mitchell's going to grow into seeing the pictures of him, like with you know standing there with uh, uh, Joe, Joe John. John. He's you know Joe John's six six, and Davon looks almost six. And like he's listed at six four two fifty, and he looks like he might be like six five and a half or six six and two forty. He looks he's so lean. Like I have what he will grow into. I said because it's going to be a tight end, but he just might be a Jermaine Gresham type, you know, or maybe better. 
right? Which is a mouthful, but he, he looks like he could be special. So, uh, you know. Well, and the problem we have is we, we got nothing from Llewellyn and the Helms, right? And then McIntyre's banged up. So it's like, the young guys, we got nothing from them, right? I, I've seen one. We've seen one play from Cade McIntyre where he enthusiastically, somewhat awkwardly, ran for twenty yards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, poor kid. You know, so but we've got nothing, right? We've got nothing to base it on. So how do you not potentially use it? Use a, a spot on on at tight end to yeah. To, uh, so I I, I agree. So. I would say those are probably the two areas. Defensive end is is also a little question mark. But if Trace Ford comes back, yeah, I, maybe, I, I feel maybe, like maybe you can get by with what you have if if you like what Taylor Wine's doing and you and you're getting both Gilmore and Danny Okoye and Smith in early. Well, you know, I think I think he will come back because uh, that, you know, that would give you in, for an Oklahoma State guy. The, the stories are he's having a great time in Norman. He's really enjoying right. it. Right. So. And, and, you know, that'll give you – you'd have Downs and Ford opposite each other. And you'd have R. Mason Thomas and PJ opposite each other. So you'd have a pretty solid at least two deep right there, yep. right, before you get into having to, you know, play, you know, uh, Danny or, or true freshman, which I think Danny can play. Offensive line might be another spot where you would say, like, from yeah, a depth – if you can find somebody, you've got to find somebody who pushes. Uh, if Guyton returns, I think your tackles are okay. Yeah. If, if Guyton returns, I, if Guyton returns, I think the offensive line could be really good. The question then becomes like, if Guyton returns, like, are you kicking yourself in the ass for not trying to get uh, Jake Taylor run at right guard to push? Uh, Matar yeah. this year because yeah. I think you would look at it and you'd say like gosh it's the, a it's the, a gamble they're kind of they're kind of split right I think internally they'd like to like in the play guard but right now they don't have another tackle yeah. that they trust out there so but I, I think you know if you told me that if you told me that he left and that Oklahoma's bookend tackles next year were were Sexton and uh, Green at right and left you know and whatever who was playing where I. I could see that. I could. I could absolutely see that. I could see Green playing right tackle and Sexton playing left. All right. So we're five games in. We've seen all kinds of Big Twelve play. For those of you that are on our site, you know I've been doing a dumpster fire of the week article, and it's heavily featured multiple members of the Big Twelve. Uh, I've also been doing some ad hoc power rankings, and I can tell you, ranking the bottom of the Big Twelve right now is a difficult, difficult challenge. Trying to separate how bad Baylor, Tech, OSU, Houston, uh, and and maybe now UCF and maybe a little Houston, uh, Cincinnati as well in that mix is difficult. So, Caleb, I think we all had a thoughts of where OU's schedule was going to be and where the ambush games and the traps were. So we're five games in. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you give you a pass. Put the, we're putting the Texas game in a parking lot. I'm not making you predict it. All right. But past Texas, we got six more games. OU's got five wins right now. Ignoring Texas, how many more wins do you think OU puts on the on the ledger? Hmm. I mean, the fan in me says six. Uh, I think they'll probably be double digit favors uh, favorites in uh, in all of them against you know. Okay, again, obviously they're. 
through a what a touchdown dog detects is somewhere in that neighborhood. It's five yeah, and a half, little under, six, little under, six and yeah, a half, something. something like that. It's neutral so, site, so it's a real number, right? There's no home yeah. field kind of stuff, so it's a real number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll probably be. Uh, I don't know if Plumlee's going to be back for the UCF game, but if if he is or isn't, right? I would assume they're going to be 10, 14 point favorite over UCF. Probably similar for Kansas. They might be. I know it'll be at Oklahoma State. They could be seventeen. 21 point, you know, 17 point favorites against Okie State. West Virginia looks pretty tough on defense. They, I feel like West Virginia is this version of a team this year that's like, you know, living on a prayer, living on an edge. They're just playing good enough defense and getting enough things just here and there. Enough field goal, block, field goal blocks, back to back field goal blocks against TCU. Yeah, just getting enough here and there uh, and living on, uh, you know, borrowed time and, you know, I, they have a I've, terrible schedule, though. Have you seen their schedule? Oh, it's they, probably just no, it's, who is it's it? awful. It's awful. It's it's Houston, Oklahoma State. It's I mean, they literally they could win they could win ten ten games. I mean, they 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 avoid Texas. They get us. The, they get the OU. Wild the wild thing about West Virginia, though, is to me, and again, I go back is like they're also that team where. They could they, win ten games, the wagon, but the they could also come out and and Houston could just put a fifty on them, and they can't score, so they yeah, lose by yeah, by yeah. thirty five points to Houston. And you're going like, what happened? It's like, well, it was one of those games we didn't match up well. They hit some big plays. They ripped us here or and like there, or even thirty to nothing or something like that. Like we just yeah, yeah, score. and we it just score. ends up like yeah, you're like maybe Houston's going to finish bottom of the league, and they beat a, one of the top, you know. Top teams yeah, by twenty eight. I, I, ran, I, ran, I had to rank no. West Virginia third right this this week. I'm like, I I don't know how about what else to do. So, all right. So you think <laughs> barely can complete a forward pass and they're yeah <laughs> winning. Yeah. So you think you think if you were if you were putting the Texas game in the park in the parking lot, you think OU is going to go eleven and zero. Yeah. Well, as as a fan. I think if I was trying to play the odds of it, I'd say they would go, they would lose one of those games. That somebody like a TCU or uh, or a Kansas would get them. You know, I, Kansas is so bad on defense, but Oklahoma's not been good running the ball. Uh, but oddly yeah, enough, but they that, still they average can. more yards rushing than Texas on the year, even with the yeah. 300 yard game against Kansas. So, yeah, I mean, Kansas has been really bad defensively. I, I would expect, and, I, and I've mentioned this before, like I, I actually think that Kansas being good is a net positive for Oklahoma and it's a net negative for Kansas because I can tell you having played in places similar to that where you watch yeah. the film and they're horrible and then you show up and it's like a church and there's nobody there. It is yeah, this yeah. weird thing where like that adrenaline and that heart rate and all the stuff that you normally get in this edge that you play with, it's like you can't find it. Uh, and so like Kansas stands being packed and then being ranked is like, that's actually probably, I think a good thing for Oklahoma as they go in there. But I think odds, you got, I would have to play an odds game and say it's 20, it's 18 to 22 year olds. They slip up somewhere. Right. Or am I wrong? Well, I think you're right, but I watched Cincinnati deliberately lose to BYU. Right. So I'm, you know, everyone's like BYU's a trap game and then I'm watching Cincinnati go up and down the field on them all night. And and Emory Jones legitimately, I mean, that pick six, he's there. I'm like, okay, 
you know, does Emory have like a, a a fan a fan dueling? You know, a gambling. You know, you know. I don't want to. You know, poor kid. I, but it is a terrible. I mean, it's like the worst pass he's thrown all year. I'm like, and he's thrown some bad ones. That's like it's terrible. I mean, so like I'm having a hard time other than like a blizzard in Provo night game viewing that OU's offense with the way they're throwing the ball isn't going to put points up on BYU. Yeah. And def- offensively, they they were – I mean, they, they lose to Cincinnati without the 14 to 21 points Cincinnati just gifted them. They're like, hey, here you go, guys. Just just take these points. And yeah. so – and with the efficiency OU's playing on offense, I mean, Cincinnati was like, you know, red zone field goal after red zone. It's just – I'm like, all right, so – Maybe maybe it is a maybe it is a true ambush game, and then TCU just doesn't in Norman with maybe a lot on the line. I, you know, TCU's only real response to beating OU in Norman or trying to is is crippling our quarterback. I mean, that, 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 I mean that's their that's their strategy, right? Yeah. Uh, 2015. Let's take out Baker Mayfield and see if we can see if Trevor Knight will throw the game for us in the fourth quarter. Uh, poor Trevor. I honestly felt like he was helping, trying to help TCU that night. Um, and that strategy is not going to work because we'll just roll. We'll just okay, JA, go throw the ball yeah. around the field. Okay, yeah, sure, that's no probably problem. a bad. It's probably a bad strategy because the field suddenly gets uh, gets stretched horizontally and vertically well, a lot and more. OU with him. Just, that just and at that point, if we're not sending, if we're not sending headhunters after Chandler Morris every freaking well, play. So you that's know. the thing, right? Like that to me is the thing is like defense travels. Yes. And so like having – when you're good in situational football and Oklahoma's really good in situational football this year, if the defense – like if you're just able to to get off the field and that's the other part where I think like, again, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and BYU – Right, those schools will have a really difficult time with Oklahoma. Is while Oklahoma's not lighting the world on fire in terms of sacks, they still are in TFL. I think they're ranked in the top yeah, five. They are right they in are. TFL. And when you they're are pressuring the quarterback, a lot of the, a lot of they incompletions. Are. There's a, a lot, lot of, of really people are using quick game against Oklahoma. I mean, they nearly killed heavily. the ISU quarterback. I don't know what <laughs> both <laughs> of them were, actually. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Beating the crap out of um, the quarterbacks last night, but and, and uh, so Saturday night. But yeah, but I, I, I think I just having a hard time finding the loss, like uh, with what uh, we've shown and what we have versus what we have coming up. I'm having an incredibly hard time finding the loss as a uh, from a fan perspective. I'm like ah, six and zero, but I'm, even from like a you know not not I'm not looking at stuff at the same level to you you and Barry are sometimes and. And Kyle's giving us all these great stats, which are adjusted um, stats, and the team looks great. I mean, they're adjusted yeah. for our competition and not just raw, like, you know, ignoring who the fact that OU hasn't played a great set of teams, although Arkansas State, you know, is putting up 50 a couple of times. Well, SMU's still a top, I think, top 20 offense in the country. Yeah. Oklahoma just constricted and shut them down. They actually did probably the best job that anybody's done. And it was a, I thought it was just a really good game plan. They were just yeah. trying to, they were trying to take what Oklahoma gave them and then try to win in some situational moments. But that's the thing. Oklahoma then won the situational ball. And that's what I was going to say earlier is, for those teams like that don't have that talent level, they've you've got they've got to then find a way to win third down, 
you know, in years past under Grinch, it was like you get you know, third down and suddenly a third and 13, they complete it. I mean, you saw that all day with Colorado and USC, right? But it doesn't seem like that's likely to happen with this squad. And, uh, you if know. You put the ball in danger, you're going to throw a pick. Our guys yeah. are going to be in the spot and, and it's going to be turned around, right? Like SMU, you know, was down 21-10 and it's like, Twenty-one eleven, sorry, and they were like trying to get back, and then they went, they you know, they went four and out, and we could have picked it, but we got the ball, and then we put another touchdown on the board. So it's yeah, it's changing it around. It's like it's, I call it the I no longer I'm no longer holding my eyes closed when onside kicks occur in the last minute of the game, right? Because Oklahoma's controlling it late. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's a big difference. So I'm having a hard time with. With who's that team? TCU seems defensively limited to me. Offensively, you know, I think they're okay, but I don't think they're anywhere near as explosive as they were last year, not at running back and at wide receiver. Yeah. Um, so the fan in me says, the fan in me and the I can't find that team and the the home and away mix. I love the bye week after Texas. Then a home game. You've got OSU on the road. Um, and then you've got West, and then you've got BYU on the road. But other than that, you know, it's 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 home. You know, got Kansas on the road. Each one of those teams are flawed, significant flaws to them. Um, yeah, you know, Kansas was that sexy pick, and even with Jaden da- Jalen Daniels, though, the thing is, like, I think Kansas ranks. This is before Texas; they were a hundred and sixth in in defense, and, I'm and just, like after Texas, they're probably. In the hundred and twenty something range, like you know, and I have a hard time. You know, last year the thing that stuck out to me was that was the one game Oklahoma just shredded the defense. Right, it was the Kansas game, and you look back and you remember uh, their Leopold Leopold, right, yeah, their yeah. coach saying he, he he said, you know, he's like, oh, what is it? He goes, well, it's the athletes. And this is when it really clicked over of like, man, when this scheme has a superior advantage really at every single skill spot, then like it, it's really difficult for for those teams to play in space with those receivers. So that could be a game where, you know, you get Nick Anderson, you get Andrew Anthony, you get uh, Freeman all having really big days. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the Kansas game, I'm seeing – Gabriel over 400 yards and our wide receivers are making big, big highlight plays. And it's, yeah. And, and Kansas just won't, without defense playing as well as it is, they just won't be able to catch. They'll, they'll, they'll have, they'll get some stops. They'll make some interceptions. Yeah. I, I know this. We'll get, I know. we'll get some stops and we'll just keep scoring and it'll get, it'll get out of hand. Digging into Texas, that Kansas game sticks out like a sore thumb. The defense, like yeah. Kansas defense was so bad. I mean, again, like uh, we all have harped on the Oklahoma run game and even Texas ran for like 336, 333 on on Kansas. And even factoring that in, Oklahoma still averaging more yards rushing per game than Texas. To give you an idea, like Texas was not running the ball really well, right? Even in games like against Wyoming where they struggled to throw the ball, they were not just rolling up, you know, 300 yards on the That's ground. 13-10 in the third quarter. I mean, and they they just they you know Kansas this isn't they don't really have the horses on on defense. So yeah, I'm I'm not seeing, I don't see the upset right. I just with Gabriel and he's got he's got playmakers 
and the defense is looking so solid. I just I don't see the upset. Um, maybe I'm missing something. So I'm saying right now, ignore the Texas game. OU's 11 and 0. All right, which leads to the Big 12 Conference Championship game. Caleb, is there any reason why I should not think this is an OU Texas rematch? No, no. I, you know, I've been really honest and open. Like uh, when you look at Texas and even, even under Sark, I don't really like the whole, like, Oh, you know, Texas 10 years ago, this is what they were. It's like every one of those people are gone. All the support staff's gone. Like it's not even the same infrastructure of a team or of a, of a program. So I've never really liked trying to use the historical stuff. Right. But you know, if you look at Sark, his first two years, even he's been that guy that has struggled against, you know, will go out and they played Alabama great, right? And they turn around and go right. to Lubbock and go trying to go to Lubbock and get beat. And you're like, what the hell, man? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's never been the big game that they struggled to get up for. Uh, it was the other games. It was, you know, his first year, he's five and seven and he takes Oklahoma and should have beat him. It took Caleb Williams turning into Superman for Oklahoma to come storming back and win that game against a terrible Texas team, effectively. But when you look at Texas and that schedule, uh, and it's the same thing. Like they're just this Texas team. I'll give them this. They are built differently in that they are really good at the center of their defense. You know, they're they're Mike linebacker, their inside linebacker, uh, the Ford kid from. Uh, Frisco, yeah. yes. he's yeah. really good. Their two defensive tackles, you know, are are really good. Uh, and then they, you know, uh, the transfer Catalan from from Arkansas, he's healthy and he's playing good football as a safety. I don't know that he's, yeah. you know, he's a little bit like Reggie Pearson. I don't know that he's. I don't. I don't think he's got the closing speed that that Reggie does, but he's physical. And he'll get after you. So, like, they're really strong up the middle. And I think that's where good defenses are. Are, are strong is, is right up the center. And, you know, I don't, I know they get Kansas State. I know they get TCU. Uh, I don't see them losing those games. Texas Tech's not very good. And they're going to be, you know, they'll have a backup quarterback. He'll be, he'll be a little more seasoned in that final game. You know, yeah, again, I keep getting his name wrong. I, I keep calling him Merton Barons, or is it Barons Merton? Baron Baron Morton. Yeah, Baron Morton. Uh, I keep saying yeah. Morton Baron. I'm like, because he has like a first last name weird yeah. combo. Like now, I can't figure out which one. His first I'll, or last name. I'll again say like, again, you're they're 18 to 22 year olds. So yeah. to think that they couldn't go out there and lay an egg against BYU because BYU does a good job of getting up on folks, right? They went to Arkansas and beat Arkansas. Uh, and then got thumped by Kansas. <laughs> so, like, it's 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 young kids, so you never know. But I would I would fall in the same place with Texas and say, I'm going to say that they went out. You know, odds are they'll lose one of those games, and so you know. But you're, maybe you're looking at those two teams being you know one loss and two loss playing for the uh, Big Twelve title, or it might be one loss and no loss. Okay, so you and I are on board with a rematch. All right. Yeah. This is almost impossible because college football is as wide open as I can recall it being any, at any point right now this season. So I'm going to ask you, and I'll do the same thing. <laughs> give, me a, give, me a, give me your final four for the college football playoff. Gosh, Michigan. I'll go put okay. Michigan in. Are they your Big 12 champion? Big 10, sorry, Big 10 champ? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, so I'm going to go Michigan one. 
Good Lord. I actually am not on the Georgia train like everybody else. I think they're playing on, the, not, on the knife's they're, edge. They're not very explosive yeah, at yeah. all, other than Bowers. And, and even then, it's, there's still some limitations to how, you know, you're tied, if you're tied into your most explosive player, that can be a little bit schemed away from a defense. But anyway. Gosh. Okay. So give me Michigan. Okay. Um, We've wanna, never had a never had a college football playoff without an SEC team. Oh, they'll get they'll, whoever. Well, I say that you know, like reality is. Uh, I know how. I have a hard time. I guess a one loss SEC team is still going to get in, right? Problem. Pro, I don't see how it isn't unless when something crazy happens. But if you think no SEC team is going in. Give me three other names. Okay, so I'll say, okay, I've got with Michigan. I'm going to go Oregon. I think they play a little All bit right. better defense than Washington. I think uh, you're right. And I don't think – I think everybody out there plays better defense than Southern Cal. Uh, so Utah's, Utah's crippled with no is, rising. Is he going to play at all this year? I, I don't know, and they still are very – won't say even what it is. Very – it's his knee. It's his knee. He blew his knee out in the bowl game last year. Oh, uh, I thought something happened, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's two. Who's going to be the SEC champ? I mean, the SEC is not very good this year. If it's we're bad. being super honest, I, I keep, it's not everyone good. Everyone keeps asking if OU is SEC ready, and I want to fight back. Oh and my say, god! Are are is anybody in the SEC SEC ready? I mean, yes. I mean, come it's on. The hype tra- it's the hype train. Like, let's be really honest. Texas is, if Texas is in the SEC this year, because, right, they're the best team. Oklahoma's one of the best teams in the SEC. Uh, I guess Georgia is going to make it to the playoff. Well, they, they did have to. You'd have they to have, have something. They have one of the weakest schedules in the country. Yeah. It, it, and they'd have it, to lose it, twice. Yeah. Well, yeah. they have to not be SEC champ and have two losses. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, and I and I don't the two losses I could see, but I'm just trying. I'm I'm struggling to see how the only team I think that can on their schedule that can beat them is Kentucky. Yeah, that's um, wild. Because this was shocked me when I looked at some of the numbers. Tennessee is one of the worst teams in the, in the country in throwing the football. <laughs> it's just shocking. I can't throw the football, and they just lost Brew McCoy for the year. Yeah. One of their um, best receivers. And then, okay, the last, so I've got Georgia, Big Ten team, Michigan, twelve, Oregon, UGA. You could say, I, I won't make you say the words Texas, but if you want to say one loss Big 12 champ, I'll, yeah, I'll, I would I'll say you, I would say the winner of Oklahoma-Texas tw- title game. Okay, so, all right. Yeah. So I would go, I think... I think the three-game round robin between Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan is going to be some great football for us to watch. Yeah, I'd love that to be a rematch in the Big Ten. I mean, championship game. I think there's a good chance the Big Ten could get two in. I do too. Um, I'd love oh. that rematch, the rematch in the Big Ten championship game versus watching Michigan or Ohio State or I or Penn State obliterate Wisconsin. Maybe. I mean, the yeah. Big Ten West is a dumpster fire of old dumpster fires. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just terrible. I think FSU is running the table mainly because the ACC is not that good. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And they, But I think they need to run the table to get in there. Yeah. Um, I like Oregon. And I think I think something weird's gonna happen in the Big Twelve where where we're gonna have they're gonna get they're gonna get screwed with their one loss champion um going head to head with a one loss UGA team and uh and the Big Twelve's cachet and bad out of conference schedule, right? Unless you're Texas. Texas, Unless you're Texas win over Bama, I think we'll get them in. Yeah. So I'm going to say Texas doesn't win the Big 12 and a one loss or two loss Big 12 champion is left out. And UGA loses to somebody. Maybe it's Tennessee. Maybe it's Kentucky. Um, maybe they actually stumble through their regular schedule, lose to like a two or three loss Bama or LSU in Atlanta, and they stumble into the – to the and they stumble in the Big Twelve and Euromark and the whole Big Twelve just freaks out, but then they realize it's it's Texas or Oklahoma going, so they 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 don't freak out. It is wild, so, you know, looking at like the top twenty five. I could if I was to give you like a wild one, I would say, how about Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Oregon? Two Big Ten teams because I can see I can see Penn State beating uh, Ohio State and then getting getting rung up by Michigan. And I could see Ohio State racking up two losses, and that puts them out, and then yeah. they won't be champion. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and I, then I can, and I can, and the the Pac twelve is the team is the is the is the gauntlet, right? If oh, you, it's the best conference. It's like the, it's just a sad deal that like we've reached this well, point the where quarterbacks, right? They've got Cam Ward, you've got Penix, you've got Bo Nix, you've got Caleb Williams. Dante Moore by the end of the year might be might be somebody who bites and gets a team. And, and then if you, and they've got a good defense. Cam Rising's yeah. healthy. Cam Rising's healthy. Utah is is probably 10, 14 points better. Yeah, you, you're just seeing the you're seeing almost the Oklahoma effect there, right? From last year, like guys, without our starting quarterback, we're 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 able to lose to anybody. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, they. I mean, if they could have lost to UCLA. Uh, if UCLA hadn't thrown a bad, you know, hadn't thrown a pick six, I mean, they scored seven points on offense the last two weeks. You know, and, um, and, and the thing is, as well, right, is uh, Oregon State's a good football team as they well. Are. Yeah. Oregon so State, got- Washington State are, are, are good teams. Uh, Washington, Oregon, uh, Utah, UCLA, USC. I mean, the Apple Cup could be an absolute shootout. Like, it's- it's, I mean, it's it's a sad deal that they're getting rid. I, I just I hate it. Uh, it it's is a whole it's, nother, it's a whole other thing. Whole bigger bigger but, topic. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a weird. De- it's a wild year because I don't see like here's like a good example, right? I know Alabama was like really good. I, if Alabama and Oklahoma played, that's not you know for ten years you would be like we could get blown out. You're right. You'd be like we could get blown out in this game. I hope we don't. We need. Offense to play great, and we can hang. We can we can score points on. Will not get blown out. Oklahoma played Alabama. I'd be like, eh, Oklahoma might be able to hold the, hold them to ten, right? We don't. We've got to score seventeen to win, right? We score twenty, maybe we win by double digits. Like that's like Alabama's just not very good. Uh, they can't throw the ball, uh, but 
everybody's so up and down. You have just absolutely no clue, I think, you know, from a well, week yeah, to week. I mean, Ole Miss has played a terrible offensive game against Alabama. And then, and then Ole Miss and LSU reenact the Texas Tech OU game uh, from 16. Um, well, it's what's weird about LSU, and I heard someone point this out, like LSU physically, now Mason Smith does, but everybody else on that defense, they don't, you know, for 20 years, as soon as Nick left there, all the way through less uh, to Ed, when you looked at them physically on the hoof defensively, you were like, oh, shit. They got like, dudes. They got dudes. Like, I don't know what they're doing down there in the booth. And they, and they, had, swamp second, water. they had secondary dudes, too. Yeah, they Their just. Secondary this year is garbage. Just, just thick and twitchy, like everywhere. They just came out and they were all thick and twitchy. And you're like, crap, man, this is, they're really good looking on the hoof. And they come out now and you're like, okay, he looks pretty good. And he looks pretty good. But the rest of you guys don't look like you belong in LSU uniforms. Yeah. And it's, um, uh, I mean, their their transfer cornerbacks are like uh, are from like low level schools. It's like it makes you whoa. wonder. They were one of the programs, right? That like last year they had that big year, and it was like, hey, you can do this through the transfer portal. And they went and got yeah. a ton of kids. It makes you wonder if like maybe that was a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit like. No, I'm not saying it is similar to Michigan State and and, and Mel Tucker. The one year it was like, hey, it all yeah. kind of came together. But it does make you wonder, like, can you? catch you know uh a bit of a flash in a pan you catch fire for one year when you do it from the portal but to scale that up consistently it's just i think the odds are probably against you so what's well, just a hit you you're you're hitting miss kids you're not always getting great kids yeah you're maybe going to the lower levels is a little bit of a gamble um, yeah you know you break up the the point i think the great point about that like i, I didn't think about this till you put it that way about the hit the hit rate and the miss rate is, you know, when you're recruiting 25 kids or whatever it is per year in your main, and you're retaining most of those, you don't have to have like, if you have a 30% or a 40% hit rate, okay, that scales over five years to where you've got, you know, 35 kids, 40 kids, we feel really good about. Well, if you've rotated your entire roster and you brought in 40 kids from the portal, if you still have a 20 or 30% hit rate, like you're sunk. Like you have to have like your hit rate has to go exponentially higher in order for you to not see these big gaps. And maybe that's what it is. Is their hit rate from the portal is is not great. They're still ranked twenty third, three. Yeah, and it's two. like it's like uh, depending upon who who's an early NFL early entry for OU. It's like I would be very happy if you told me OU only brought in like five guys from the portal. Same. That, Same. The young core of the young core of the two classes and the class coming in, though this is we we don't need we don't need a portal linebacker. We don't need a portal cornerback. We don't need a portal wide receiver. We don't need a portal running back. Um you know, Taylor Tatum can eat if you give him the ball, right? <laughs> right. You know, so we don't need a portal quarterback, probably. If there was a guy that just fit, I'd be like, that's fine, but I'm not sure you you're aggressively chasing anybody. Um, you know, defensive line, yeah, depending upon who all leaves. Offensive line, yeah. But it's not. I don't need everybody. Safety, if Key Lawrence comes back and and you you and you think McCull- Day McCullough and McCarty are are on the right development track, okay, I I could see skipping safety as well. Um Yeah, you got you'll have Robert Spears Jennings, you'll have Peyton Bowen. Yeah. 
I'm with you. Know, you. you could you could even if if you're loving what's a cornerback, you could play Vickers at safety too as well. He's got the frame to certainly get away with it. So if you told me, oh, you only signs five portal guys and they're really focused and really good players, I'd be like, I'm I'm good with that. Let you know because we didn't. Oh, you was looking at cornerbacks and like one of the guy got to Alabama, one guy went to Michigan. But DB-wise, I don't think we're missing some of the DB additions they try to make. We've added Dolby, who we keep. Oh, I could have just forgotten that list of guys. Um, honestly, honestly. I mean, Kanai Walker has been a re- rehab project that's better than any transfer we probably could have gotten. He's been really good as a number two corner, right? As I say number two, as a, as a, as a rotational backup corner. And like, you're so right in the sense of I don't know if any of the corners Oklahoma went after – I think they would be really what 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 Kanai is. They would be at best a player that's just kind of rotating and playing. Because I think Gentry looks like a, you know, he just if he'll just continue to play the way he's playing and just continue to get better, he's looking a future NFL guy. I don't think any of the other guys were gonna if the transfer kids, I'd I'd be surprised if they would have come in and, and taken Gentry's starting spot the way that he's playing. Yeah, so it's I just don't think you 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 patched everything up this year, but I think with all the young kids you're playing now, I think O line is a different story, and losing kids to the NFL and some of the yeah. dev there and the numbers haven't been what we needed to be. We know that. We know that story. We don't need to repeat that story. But I think a great thing there would like my hope there would be like you know I don't think I personally I and he'll test really well so he'll go really high so Tyler Guyton's probably gone, but in a perfect world you know he you'd be like hey look like. Why go maybe be a first-round draft? It's a good It's a good tackle draft, though. It really is. Yeah, but as I'm saying, like, why go be the third tackle taken? If you'll come back and just play up to your potential, yep. you'll be the top – you'll be the number one player in the draft. Be the number two. You're right. You probably would be the number one player in the draft because Caleb and Drake May will be gone, which is going to push other guys down, right? So, yeah, yeah. It's good. Hey, you know, you go this year, you're going to be the third tackle. You're probably going to be taken at 24. You come back next year, maybe you're the first player taken, or you're the first tackle taken at three. And so there's that. But, you know, for me, like the offensive line, talk about this, right? It's, I think it's, it'd be a huge win if the guys, if they did end up having to take portal guys, if it was a Tyler Guyton and if it was a Troy Everett, if it was guys that were really good. That yeah. had a ton of potential. They said, "Hey, you're going to come in year one. You're going to be a rotational piece, and you might play. You're going to, hey, tackle. You're going to play behind. You know, you're a freshman. You're going to play behind Sexton, right? He, he'll be going into year three or whatever it is, and, and you're going to back him up. And if you're a guard, you know, we're going to develop you behind Savion Burke, right? And we're going to just get rolling that way from a depth piece. Because I do, as much as I think they they need numbers." There also is a world that you could convince me that, you know, Sexton continues to get better. Green is that guy. Everett is your center. And, you know, which gives you Taylor at guard. Uh, and, you know, if Bird can get in that 315 and, and get healthy and get playing this year, that you come in, you go into next year and you say, hey, we're inexperienced, but like physically, we're really talented. These are the pieces I want. These are the pieces yeah. I want to run the scheme, to run what we need to do. Yeah, I just. I just, again, if you could, again, if OU signs five guys and we're not just rattling off portal name after portal name in December on these podcasts, I think that's a good sign. That's like a good sign, right? That yeah. You, 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 you return the players you want. You got some guys to return. Um, 
because they like playing and with the NIL money, put a little coin in their pocket, you know, um, being in college is fun. Right. Um, and guys were like, you know, you know, the NFL is maybe not there. I, you know, I can get halfway to a master's right with a good, with a good year. Um, well, you saw what Dion said about Shadur. You see that? I saw what he said about I saw what he said about Corman McLean, who wasn't playing. Oh no! So, so, so they, something somebody said something about you know would Shadur uh, likely come out this year because he's playing so well? He would be probably yeah, a yeah. first round draft pick, and he said no. You know, Caleb Williams. It's all the talk is that he's number one, and Shadur wants to be number one. He's not a number two guy, but he said, but. So the other part is with this NIL, he's making so much money. Like he's making what? millions of dollars. Like apparently, because he's on like the Allstate or the State Farm commercials, right? Like he's going to be making with his dad's name, he'll be making, you know, legitimately seven well, figures in NIL. I don't know which roles he drives. I hope it's not the really ugly SUV, but he already has a role. So I mean, <laughs> give me, give me a, give me a freaking break. I mean, I drove a Chevy, yeah. I drove a Chevy Cavalier in college. And right. Shadur, you know, and uh, and Dion's uh, kid is driving a Rolls around Boulder, which is absurd. By the way, note for everyone: if you own, own a Rolls Royce, you have to have a driver. If you drive your own <laughs> Rolls Royce, you're not doing it right. You have a driver. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, I mean, again, if Sanders comes back, you know, if you convince Guyton to come back, and and you know, and he. It's a good, uh, it's a good tackle draft. The fashion is it fashionu at Penn State? Oh yeah, and the kid from Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Had to, he looks so great. There's a there's a bunch of good tackles in the draft. Even is Kelvin Banks? Is he able to go out this year? No, he's a true sophomore. True sophomore. Yeah. Um. So you know you've got you've got good tackles. You know maybe you come back and you and, you know Bill says sells you on being number one. By the way, uh, Harrison apparently. Uh, graded out fantastically, Anton in the the game lab on Saturday on That's Sunday. That's great. That's great. Had a great day um, on that. So one one last note there. All right. Well, I think we've we've taken nearly two hours. We had a lot of stuff to catch up on because Kayla's been tied up the last couple of weeks. Uh, Barry pitched it, pinched in, but uh, Caleb's a little more uh, knows a little bit more about some of this recruiting stuff we're talking about. So thanks everyone. It's a long podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Hope all the midseason stuff you find interesting because I, I know. We're not quite, oh, you got to 5-0, and oh, but this isn't the story I thought. This The story OU's put on the field is not the story I would have written and how OU was getting to 5-0. and oh, I can just say that. <laughs> A very different story. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be recording again uh, later this week, later next week. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, CM underscore Sooners360. I'll be doing Spaces with Barry on Monday. And uh, also subscribe to the site. That's the best place to get all the content and to be able to have recruiting conversations with Caleb and I without sifting through multiple threads with trolls and, and nonsense. Just good conversation. A curated recruiting experience, I call it. I'm about it from a message board. You post an intelligent question, you're going to get an intelligent answer. And we're going to go back and forth having a good conversation about it. So please give the site a chance. Thanks, everyone, and we will talk to you soon.